Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and I will be your host for, uh, I think this is episode 80, which is kind of crazy. I know we've sort of slowed the churn down in the, in the pace of podcasts here, but I want to make sure that when we're recording podcasts, we're trying to record things that are going to matter to you and that are going to help. And I I love all the episodes we've done. I, I really like where this episode is headed because I like the journey that it has me on, and hopefully it can be a journey you can join me on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's being challenged in day-to-day that's being cha- challenged in the way we do things. So um, thanks again for listening. I, I do hope you will share the link of this podcast in whatever way you listen to it with as many people as possible. Just help us to uh, grow the audience. I don't know if we'll ever catch up with uh, Joe Rogan or anybody like that, but um, love to have you pass the podcast on to your friends and neighbors. And we also want to thank our sponsors, two of our sponsors that some of you have heard of before, and that is AdMark. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by AdMark, my friend Daryl Dutton and his company. I love the way they put this. The foundation of a company or a product is its logo or its logos. For those of you that know a little bit about the Bible, that word logos is derived from John chapter 1, which reads, in the beginning was the word or the logos. A logo, it's your identity, it's your personality. Along with your brand, it shapes how people define your company. You can think about that. All of us know that, whether that's the Apple on your Apple computer or a swoosh on your Nike shoe or the three stripes of your Adidas shoes or a Ford logo or a Chevy logo, you get the point. But for over three decades, AdMark has designed logos for companies, small and large, across the Permian Basin and the country. Your identity is by design. So check out the show notes to contact AdMark for all your advertising and design needs. And uh, tell Daryl that Patrick over at No Neutral Moments sent you his way. Also, Lucini and Mertz uh, are sponsoring this program today, Lucini and Mertz Land Surveying Company. A resilient business, been on mission to faithfully serve clients and empower their employees. Those are significant words. All the while, they're building lifelong relationships through the art, science, and process of land surveying. Love that whole concept, the art, the science, and the process of land surveying. Kind of makes you call into question, are you seeing your career as art as well? Lucini and Mertz has been in business since 1952. They're known for their dedication to clients and the customer service. So, like everything else, for more information, check out the show notes, contact Bobby Burkholder, and tell them the No Neutral Moments podcast sent you their way as well. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the No Neutral Moments podcast or an investor, just shoot me an email at patrick at paytongroupllc.com. And I'd love to talk to you. And that's P-A-Y-T-O-N, by the way. Patrick at PeytonGroupLLC.com. So let's move on to this episode. I'm going to tell you the title, and some of you are going to roll your eyes. So I'm prepared for that. I'm not going to see that, but I'm prepared for that. The title of today's episode is Culture. 
Okay. Some of you who are my friends that are listening to this podcast, you've sort of been on this journey with me. But uh, the mantra for the Peyton Group, or at least for me, in the two years plus that we've sort of been building this company called the Peyton Group, has been that I don't want to have a shtick. You know, I don't even like the title consultant, which is kind of, you know, what I do. For the Peyton Group, I I've never wanted to have a shtick. I was in business long enough, and we did it in the church world as well, where you would have consultants come in, and pretty much they had like their thing. And that was about it. And and you did their thing. Well, I don't think life is like that. I don't think business is like that. I don't think when I was in the church world professionally, the church was like that. It just, it seems to me there's if you just only have one way where you do something, then you can only be good at one thing, only one way. And that's not going to help as many people as you can possibly help. So I've always wanted to have this idea of a full and growing library. So always kind of churning on the books, the ideas, the theories and things that are out there with leadership and structure and business and all these different things. I, I do tend to go back to um, some foundational things. In fact, I'm, I'm even, I'll tell you more about maybe that in another episode about what I'm going back to, but I want to be a constant learner. I, I want to be a deep observer. I mean, this is kind of what I do when I sit down with clients is I, a lot of times they want me to tell them, okay, what are we doing? And I don't know yet because we have to get to know each other. We have to observe. I have to get in there and see what's not seen or begin to observe what's been overlooked or begin to bring attention to what's been minimized or maybe what's been incorrectly maximized in the uh, company in which I'm working with. It takes time. And, and, and really, we used to use this phrase when I was in the full-time vocational ministry world that we wanted to pace with people. And it's the same mantra, really, that I've carried over to the Peyton Group. I want to pace with clients into the best version that they can be. It, it sometimes makes for a difficult relationship because it takes time to get to that place. And when I say pace with people, uh, even if you've never run some kind of half marathon or marathon, it's really kind of cool when you run half marathons and marathons, you can actually get with a group that's a pace group. So let's say you're running your first marathon and you want to run it in five hours. Well, there'll be a person or persons who will have signs literally attached to them that will be the five-hour pace group. And they are led by pace setters who know exactly how to run a five-hour marathon. And if you'll get with them, they'll get you through. They know how to get through it. And and so that's that to me is better than just someone who says, the objective of the marathon marathon is to finish, and here's the one way you finish, and it's the only way you do it. Well, there's different paces, and there's different ways to get to the finish line. So anyways, lately, so that's, that's the whole mantra of the Peyton Group, is a full and growing library, a constant learner, deep observer, pacing with clients, no shtick, all this. So, okay, wow, I've spent all that time here saying, where are we going? Well, lately, this whole practice for me, and, and I would even say this culture I'm creating in this company of mine, has gained even sort of uh, more sound footing in the area of culture. Now, I know culture is a buzzword, and it's a concept that sort of floats around, but but just stick with me, and I'm going to try to tie some issues together here that, that really demonstrate this, this thing of no neutral moments, and, and 
maybe I can help you to become a listener and a practitioner and to think deeply and begin to apply in this area of culture. I'm not going to lead you, hopefully, to a conclusion. What I want to lead you to is thinking deeply. And and I have, I've back and forth on this topic, but I want to show you how just paying attention is causing me to think, to think more clearly, and hopefully to encourage the example that you are, we should be in a learning, learning frame of mind all the time. So the whole idea behind No Neutral Moments is that, that we're observing, that we're, that we're learning in every single moment. So as I'm just trying to tell you, this has become abundantly clear in this area of culture. So uh, I'm going to give you enough to kind of stoke your thoughts, and maybe we'll explore some more later um, in future podcasts. We'll see. So I mentioned the phrase buzzword about culture. Let me give you three buzzwords, and, and uh, buzzwords probably not fair, but there are three words that are used a lot in in business, and they're the word vision, mission, and culture. Vision, mission, and culture. Vision, mission, and culture. And I'm going to minimize the definitions, but I would define vision as the big why, vision as kind of the big why, uh, mission as the big how, and culture as the big who. Okay, let me say that again. So I, I think vision, and I, I know some of you already are like, ah, oh, it's bigger than that or whatever. I'm just trying to help you get your mind around some of these ideas. The vision is the big why, the mission is the big how, and the culture is the big who. So my thoughts are, some, I'm going to start unpacking some of this for you. When it comes to the three buzzwords we just mentioned, the big why, the big how, and the big who, vision, mission, and culture, you cannot have one without the other. In other words, they are completely dependent upon each other. And, and I would submit to you that they are dependent upon each other, not equally. So each of them is a bit more fluid than we would like to admit. I expect some pushback at this moment because when I say that they're more fluid than we would like to admit, uh, I would say to you that vision uh, is probably the least fluid of the three. But I would also tell you that vision sometimes is the hardest of the three to outline and define. It's the least fluid, but it, but it's hard to quantify sometimes. Now, I can give you an example where vision is very clear, but when it comes to your company, when it comes to your ideas, when it comes to where you're headed, sometimes it's hard to see as much as it is easier to feel. But, you know, I, I'm, always, I'm completely enamored with NASA and how NASA made their trip to the moon. And so when, when John F. Kennedy gives his speech at Rice University and he says, we're going to go to the moon, we're going to put a man on the moon, that's the vision. But it's also a perfect example to show you that the mission, so that's the big how, is probably the most fluid. Now, now stick with me. I'm just trying to get you to churn, okay? So vision is probably the least fluid, but sometimes harder to quantify. So sometimes... And some of you are not going to like this. You can feel the vision more than you can see the vision. But again, a big example of of one that's just out there is we're going to go to the moon and we're going to put a man on the moon. Mission, kind of the big how, is, in my opinion, the most fluid because we think of mission in loftier terms than what it is. Mission is really the big how. How do you do what you're supposed to do to achieve the vision? And so when you... Think about that. I'll move to the third buzzword, which is culture. 
And now listen to what I've told you. I think vision is the least fluid, but sometimes harder to quantify. Mission is the most fluid, but I would tell you the one we get locked down in the most. Think of mission as method, and oftentimes we get locked in the method more than focused on the vision that can change the method. And then culture is the most powerful. Now, I know some of you are going to say the vision is the most powerful. I would challenge that because I think the culture that's created in the pursuit of the vision will oftentimes determine if you make it through the mission and the various missions of the organization. You know, there's just not as many go-to-the-moon visions out there that last for over a decade. I mean, we think about the culture, but the culture of NASA, if you do a lot of study, is instructive as to how it dictated mission and flexibility within the mission. All you got to do is watch any movie, you know, about NASA and trying to get to the moon, and you realize that the culture was one that would try anything and they would fail, and they looked forward to failure so they could look forward more to success. The culture was stay up all night and do whatever it took. The culture was grind as hard as you can grind. The culture was so exciting because the vision was so exciting, and the mission, the big how, would change because of the culture in order to get to the vision. So let me let me give you a couple of quotes. And again, I'm just going to get you to a place, hopefully, where you're thinking about this some more, because I'm not just talking about business. I'm talking about the culture of your family, the culture of your church, the culture of your, your volunteer areas. It, it matters. Let, let me give you a quote here. And so no neutral moments, right? Literally this morning, I'm still thinking, okay, I've got some preliminary notes for a podcast. I've got two separate podcasts I'm thinking about. And I get a text this morning of an article from a friend of mine. And in the article, which was a very interesting article to me, this is the quote I come across. Again, this is this morning when I'm recording this for you. Culture catechizes. Now, I know some of you are like, what word did he just use? Catechizes, we get that from the idea of catechism in the church. You know, catechism is what what you're taught to believe. You go through catechism in various denominations, but all catechism is is a fancy word for discipleship teaching you what to believe, how to believe, how to behave. It's predominantly used in a church context, but it's kind of interesting in this context. So listen again, now that you kind of have an idea of what catechism or catechizes is, it's teaching. So culture catechizes. If you want, and I'm reading this quote from this author, you can say culture teaches. Culture teaches us what matters and what views we should take about and what matters. Okay, think about what I've been talking to you about. Vision is the least fluid, but sometimes harder to quantify. Mission is the most fluid. It's the way we do things that we have to do to get to the vision. But the most powerful is culture. So let me get back to this quote. Culture catechizes or teaches. It teaches us what matters. And it teaches us what views we should take about and what matters and add this to it. In the context of the vision, on to the quote, the rest of it. People who want to be connected to their tribe subject themselves to the catechesis or the teaching of culture all day long, every single day, hour after hour. It's Alan Jacobs from Baylor University. People who want to be connected to their tribe. 
I'm telling you right now, this issue of culture has become more important in the last, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to be conservative with my number, but I'm going to say it's become more important in the last, I'm going to say 14 years than at any time in history. And you say, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rounding around the number of when we sort of finally got to the iPhone. And when we finally had, you know, it was a little bit before the iPhone, but the BlackBerry. And, and you used to be able to have separate cultures. There was a day when those before us, or even some of us listening, remember, you could live in separate cultures and there was no collision. So you, you had the work culture. And there's still people out there who are old enough to think about, well, you never mix personal and professional. And that kind of held water when they weren't mixed. In other words, you remember the day when you would get up in the morning and you could have family time, you could have all that time before everybody headed off to work and to school. And there was a day when from eight o'clock till about five o'clock, you could actually not be in contact with each other as a family and you weren't worried. You, you didn't even think about what was going on in the lives of your family members because you couldn't find out. You, you couldn't just text your kids at school or your parents at work. In fact, there was a day, for some of you listening, this is very hard to comprehend. There was a day where the only way you were going to talk to a member of your family in the midst of a work day was you had to go to the office at school and you had to make a phone call with permission or you had to go find a payphone. And And there was a time when you would land after a, a plane trip and nobody said from the, uh, the galleyway, you may now use your cell phones. You, you had to wait until you got off the plane and then you could make your way to the payphones. I'm, I'm digressing, but I'm telling you, you would go to work from eight to five and you may not talk to or see your family till 5.30 or 6. And there was only a minority of people in the professional world who had pagers. And then even if you were paged, it was typically not even paid attention to sometimes unless you were a doctor or an emergency worker or you had one of those pagers that someone would put 911 on it, which would tell you, hey, by the way, this is important. You need to call. But even that was not as prevalent until, you know, the 80s, maybe the 90s. And, and so you would go home from work and it was a rare, rare, rare day. Now, I know some of you who are listening are saying, not in my life, but you're the minority. It was a rare day when you would even think about work until you got up the next day. I mean, you may have given it a passing thought, but you didn't have to worry about it because you didn't have a thing called a cell phone. Your email wasn't coming to you in your back pocket or in your purse. Nobody could text you. This was the culture. You, you lived in two separate cultures. Now, friends, that day has changed. That day has changed. And you now live, quite frankly, in a dominant culture, and there is overlap and bleed between what used to be private and what is professional. These all overlap now, and that's why this culture thing has become so important. It's one of the reasons this culture thing has become so important 
is because our lives are so interconnected and so intertwined that there's very little separation. And so the public has to strengthen the private and the private has to strengthen the public. And culture teaches us in this whole thing what matters. And, and actually, culture, more often than not, I am observing, is unstated and unwritten as much as it is caught. Now, there's, that doesn't mean there's a lack of words used to define what we think ought to be the culture, but more often than not, the culture that dominates is the culture that's unwritten. But as the, you go back to this definition, it actually teaches us what matters and what views we should talk about. So the unsaid is oftentimes more powerful than the said, and the said is oftentimes not as affirmed as the unsaid. So the next issue that comes up for me, and we're going to wind this thing down, is how do you define culture? Because for a lot of people in management, and I'm using the word management strategically here, because those who are most challenged by the challenge of culture are in management, not necessarily leadership. And there is a difference because management manages the day-to-day where culture challenges the practices of the day-to-day and leadership steps back and says, wait a minute, what's happening? For management, culture is squishy. It's it's hard to get your hands around, even though it's so powerful in the day-to-day work in life. You even, if you don't even like the word culture, all you have to do is be observant, observantly honest for a day, and you know you behave in a culture the way you behave. Let me give you some definitions, and these are not mine. These belong to the esteemed Merriam-Webster dictionary, but I think they're informative. Number one, uh, number one definition of culture, the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. So beliefs, forms, traits, the characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. Look at that. The characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. People are more aware of the culture they're living in today because our culture is blended now between public and private, and there are features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or a time, and we have to pay attention to them because culture is the most powerful of the big three, vision and mission. Here's another definition of culture. The set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or organization, a corporate culture a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices. Now, it says shared, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're stated. You understand? I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean we've, sta- we've, we've stated them, but it's happening to us. Third definition, the set of values, conventions, or social practices associated with a particular field, activity, or societal characteristic studying the effects of different things. Set of values, conventions, or social practices. And then the last one, the integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior. An integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. A couple of things. No matter what you state as the vision or outline as the mission, it's the culture, stated or unstated, that will determine if either the mission or vision even has a chance at happening. It will. Imagine, go back to NASA, if the vision was to go to the moon and um, the uh, mission was to construct a rocket but the culture said, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in making the impossible possible. We actually don't believe in working very hard. We actually uh, tend to believe that we shouldn't even fly as because 
couple of decades before that, it was FDR who said, we have achieved the limits of exploration. So if the culture says you're not going to the moon, it doesn't matter what the mission and the vision is. Culture is easy to state, but hard to practice because it's the most personal. In other words, you can say what you want culture to be or a particular aspect of culture, but it's oftentimes harder to put in practice. And let me give you the most prevalent one, communication. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, we want to have a culture of communication. Here's the truth. No, you don't. Because a culture of communication means a lot. It doesn't mean you just share emails. That's not communication. It doesn't mean you just share text messages. It doesn't mean you have posters. A culture of communication means you get after it. A culture of communication means you red room stuff. That's why some of these uh, more prevalent new uh, successful entrepreneurs um, in the last 20 years, if you read some of their stuff, they will tell you, you will constantly hear that they are having some knockdown drag outs about the things they do and how they do them. And, and the reason is because the culture that's being created in some of the most successful businesses is a culture that more resembles a healthy family than a culture that represents a protective tribe. And, and so when people say they really want to communicate um, I have found in personal experience up until the point that their feelings matter rather than a culture that says we get after it. And, and the best example I have of communication for me still, like it or not, is when I watch my favorite sports and athletics, and especially when I would watch somebody like Michael Jordan, or you know, even if, even if you think LeBron James is the best player to ever play, and you're wrong about that. It's still Michael Jordan. So whether it's Michael Jordan or LeBron, LeBron James, I love watching these teams get after each other on the bench during timeouts or watching a Tom Brady yell at players and they yell back at him. I love the fact that the culture says we're going to do whatever it takes and we're going to communicate however hard we need to communicate because we are all committed to the larger vision. And more than that, we're committed to the culture of care for one another. Culture is easy to state, makes easy posters, hard to practice. In fact, I would recommend it at your home and in your business, you start observing and taking notes and trying to describe the culture as it is. Jim Collins, great video I saw about him the other day. And um, he said he thinks the next great transition uh, in 21st century business is the leadership of networks over systems. I think that's brilliant because of the inter interconnectedness of our lives in so many ways. You, you are not managing systems. You have to be able to lead through various networks, which to me elevates culture to the front of mind. I've given you enough, but here's the question. What's the culture around you in family, career, church, anywhere you can observe? What's the culture? Stated and unstated. Become an observer. Remember, I, I kind of told you the mantra of the Peyton group. Not a shtick, but observation, learning. What are you seeing? What's not being seen? What's being overlooked? What's being minimized? What's the culture around it? Become a student of it. Feel it. And I know many of you don't like that word, but I, so what? Feel it. What do you feel? What are you watching? What are the habits? What are the facial expressions? What is the culture, said and unsaid, stated and unstated? Will you admit it? And does something need to be done about it?
This is what's churning for me. This is the moment I'm in, in so many places. And it is not an overstatement or at all for me to say every single environment that I'm in, from elected area to public and private, this culture issue is a powerful issue that's confronting all of us. And I'm not even talking about national observations and the culture nationally. Well, listen, thanks for tuning in to this episode of No Neutral Moments. Hopefully, we'll be back and uh, talk some more about this in another episode. And so thanks again for being here. God bless. And remember, no such thing as a neutral moment. 